Welcome to Politics in the North, where a couple of recovering policy bonks get together to discuss politics. Hello and welcome to Politics in the North. We are again with the same troop of people. So we are joined today by Eddie, Victoria, Atul, Bushra, and Alex. Hello. Hey. Hello. Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. So today's focus of the podcast will be on work from home. So we are all working from home to varying degrees. And obviously, it's been a bit of an adjustment. And I think it'll be an interesting exercise to see what have been some of the benefits and drawbacks associated with this new way of working. So to start us off, I am going to ask everyone here to name one benefit and one pain point to working from home that hits close to home. So Eddie, why don't you lead the way with this? Yeah, thanks, Chris. Um, so I think one benefit I think has been the amount of flexibility. I'd never worked from home before. So this was a very unique experience. I was a bit hesitant at first, but then having done it for over the last uh, few months now, it's a lot easier to be able to like get a lot of stuff done, but then also have time for your own personal self and not be rushing to leave the house as well. One drawback I find I think it comes to the ideation or creation stage. I think working within a team environment at the office helps with that. Being able to talk to people, bounce off ideas, and also being able to leave your own house, uh, go to work in a different environment and come back and feel this, your home is your home, and being able to turn off after that. Yeah, so I've actually been working from home full-time since uh, end of August. I work at a uh, organization where the whole organization is remote and we're all in different time zones and so we're and they've been working that way for about five years I'm sort of used to it at this point I, I guess you could say as used to it as you can get but I have noticed that I think it's important that we remember that working from home during a pandemic <laughs> is different than working from home not during a pandemic and as someone who's now done both I can tell you that it is very different just because you know there is still an expectation that you get your work done, of course, but we have to remember that people are living through a very stressful period and that requires actually more flexibility from organizations than I think they recognize or that they want to give. And I'm very lucky that my organization has been able to do that. So so the benefit for me has always been, like Eddie was saying, flexibility. I really enjoy that I don't have to commute to work every day, which saves you so much time. So you just feel like you get a lot more personal time back. But I have to say during this pandemic, I do feel a lot more stressed than I normally would feel working from home and trying to stop my work and figure out where my personal life begins has also become a bit more difficult. So that can also be a drawback of working from home is figuring out how do I I stop work at five o'clock, especially when you live in a tiny apartment like I do, and I don't have a separate space for an office. My bedroom is my office. So figuring out how to stop working, separate your work, close your laptop, just separate everything is actually quite difficult. And now that we can't really go anywhere else because of social distancing and the lockdown, that's become a lot harder for me. Yeah, a lot of what Victoria just said resonates with me a lot. I have also been working from home even before this pandemic hit. And there is, a, I think, a big contrast between doing it when it was not a pandemic and then doing it during a pandemic, despite already having worked remotely. And I think one of the challenges for myself has been 
really finding a space that's acceptable because now everybody wants to get on video conference calls and I don't necessarily have that home office, quote unquote, in my own house. So I think that's a particular challenge because there's all these expectations and guides that are out there now with everyone thinking that they know the perfect way to work from home. And that adds to the stress. But I think the biggest benefit for myself is the cut down on my commute time. So throughout my life, I've had commute times that were upwards of three hours in each direction getting to the workplace. And that was particularly stressful for myself. And I find that like my health is better as a result of not having to do such a long commute. But then there's the added stressors of the expectations on how to work from home in a very like particular way that doesn't take into account that there are certain privileges from being able to work from home. And to do it in a particular way also requires having certain resources or even space, which not everybody does. Yeah, I think like everyone else has said, my favorite thing about the working from home so far has been the flexibility to be able to go for a run over lunch and then to be able to have a quick shower before you get back to your desk is something which I quite like. Overall, I am not enjoying this work from home business, but then I'm incredibly lucky, as are we all, to have a job which can be done from a distance. So whenever I get a little fed up with it, I keep that in mind and that puts things back in perspective pretty quickly, I'd say. What I miss most is definitely seeing my uh, coworkers, even if you're not working on them right away on some given project, I think it really does help build a sense of community and purpose if you see the other people who are also doing your job and similar ones every day or most days. Not having that is a little challenging, I suppose. Uh, and uh, uh, Skype meetings just aren't the same. But overall, again, I think we're all very, very lucky to be able to work from home. Yeah, much like everyone else here, I'd have to echo the flexibility argument. Uh, as far as the positives go, being able to get up a little bit later, being able to go for runs or exercise during lunch or after work, you know, not even having to shower before I start work. That's pretty cool, right? Or ever, really. Who would know, really? Um <laughs> But uh, as, as somebody who's overarchingly a people kind of person, I much prefer working in the office and not just because of the coworkers that I have there, but also because, you know, you can create a differentiation between your work life and personal life. And the office has those office tools. They have more, you know, screens. My workplace has really good desks and chairs for your back and all this kind of stuff as well. So I much prefer working in the office, but I'm still enjoying uh, working from home and feel pretty privileged as well. So first and foremost, thoughts and prayers to a tools roommate because of his flexible uh, showering arrangement <laughs> because they are your new co-workers but uh who's to say they're not doing the same <laughs> <laughs> that house needs an intervention here yeah <laughs> I think for my case, the again, the flexibility, I, I've shifted away from coffee and sweets to, to pick me up during the workday and fitted in like small micro exercises of like the 10 to 15 minute variety. So then that typically kind of boosts me and reinvigorates me. On the flip side, I've been finding myself just mentally exhausted from Zoom meetings in the workday, way more so than I did from physical meetings. And I think that a lot has to do with me being able to pick up on kind of physical cues in person versus kind of doing that song and dance of trying to figure out when to mute, when to unmute, or when to interject. You just don't get that nuance just through video chat. But for sure, it's a work in progress. And I think everyone's going through that experience. Yeah, that Zoom fatigue is 100% real. Like I said, I have been working from home for months before this started. And I've only started recently getting that sort of fatigue from video calls. And we started realizing within our organization that everyone was feeling that way. So we actually 
figured out, okay, how about we just all talk about, do we actually need that meeting? Like those routine meetings we used to always have with each other to connect more. A lot of us are actually cut those out. And part of that reason is because we're also having to use video chats to connect with family and friends. So it's just become very overwhelming for people. And there's like a psychological component as well that you were saying, Chris, about talking to someone in person versus trying to talk to people through video. And then I can also see myself. So I'm like self-conscious about what do I look like? So it's just a whole other level of anxiety, which kind of goes to the point that I wanted to make is that part of the reason that our organization decided to go completely remote was to, well, part of the reason was to be able to access talent outside of a certain city, which now we have done. So we were originally based in San Francisco. So now we're able to hire people from all over the world, really. But then the other reason was the cost of being in a building. And this might be something we go into is, is it necessary that we have this building where we make everyone come and we have to pay so much for it, especially in a city like San Francisco? Do we actually really need this space? Or is there a way that we can do things remotely and take the money that we would typically spend on a building or rent and actually push it towards things that are useful for our employees? So we took a lot of that money and now they use it for, you know, things like professional development. Or if you need an extra screen, then we buy you a screen for your house. Or if you need a special ergonomic chair, then they get you that. So they've kind of like redistributed the funding to things that us as employees said that we needed. So I think it's an interesting time for companies. And I, I think it was Twitter, actually, that just said they're going to allow people in certain offices to work from home even after this is all over, because I think they realize like, oh, this actually works really well for people, especially people who have you know, kids or they're taking care of family members and they need a lot of flexibility in their, their work day. So, so yeah, I think it's a really interesting time and I'm actually kind of excited for companies to start to open up their minds about how can we actually operate? Like, do we need people to be here from nine to five and people like Bushra to commute three hours a day, which is just insane. So I'm, yeah, so I'd be interested in hearing from any of you about, are you optimistic that maybe this will change kind of work culture and things like that? Twitter is an interesting case point because the CEO, Jack Dorsey, he's the co-CEO of both Twitter and Square, publicly traded companies. And pre-COVID, he was actually considering moving to Africa to essentially, he would CEO at distance for these two massive companies. And then there was backlash from public markets. And obviously, given the COVID situation, he's kind of backtracked in terms of that plan. But again, it's still interesting to see that he's, he's putting, it's kind of leadership from the top. I can work from home. And so can you. It'll be interesting to see how other companies proceed. Yeah, I think, Chris, you bring up a good point as well. And this is Victoria as well. I think, one, the accessibility of things. I think now it's I think it's shown that you can be working as far away as Vancouver, Calgary, or as Nairobi, for example, and still manage to get the same job done as long as you have internet connectivity without having to move as much. And especially for people as they move along in their lives and they want to begin establishing, say, families or they want to begin owning property or somewhere else or take on more other adventures becomes much more easier to be able to have that flexibility to work from home. And I think it provides a person with disabilities as well. You don't have to just like take extra time to at least go into a building infrastructure to make sure that it's well secured or anything else. You can actually hire more people as well. There's more opportunity in that case. I think also on the second point on the buildings, I think you're right, Victoria. I think very much so. I think companies are going to begin to rethink whether they actually need 
as much infrastructure, where they need as much spaces, and whether certain operations can be done effectively at home, and whether they will just need a few spaces in order to work and they can put their money somewhere else. It'd be interesting to see which companies do that in the long term as well, and which ones are unable to do that. Uh, but I think we're moving towards a more flexible environment and one we must adapt to as well. I think working from home will become some form of a norm even post-COVID. Yeah, I think something that we have to acknowledge is that many of the things that we are being afforded right now in terms of being able to work from home has come as a result of the really important work that was done by the community of people with disabilities or differing abilities. And yet when they were asking for these things, there was a lot of pushback. And I think it's really important to acknowledge that. And then on the other hand, acknowledge that not everybody will be able to work from home going forward. And so that still remains an accessibility issue. And not just in the sense of, well, we're transforming the workplace and some people will be able to leverage technology in order to do things from a distance or the way that we're transforming certain types of jobs that are traditionally done in person can now be done in a different context, but there's also security issues attached to it. So there are people who work on very sensitive portfolios or files. I'm especially thinking about human rights defenders, journalists who don't necessarily have the infrastructure that's necessary, the security infrastructure in place to be able to do that work securely from home without being targeted by various nefarious actors. And so the other unsung heroes of the current time that we're in are ICT infrastructure support workers. So the people who are really trying to improve the security of um, entire uh, network systems, whether that's at the organizational level. So universities are having to do that a lot with a lot of their students and staff going remote. But then there are also smaller institutions and organizations, especially within civil society or in the human rights justice sphere that don't necessarily have those resources in place already, but are having to put that like heavy legwork in to make sure that they're protecting their employees and the community of people that they support. I'm going to build a little bit um, on what Bushra said about not everyone being able to work from home, but from a slightly different standpoint at that uh, I think one of the things I guess I'm worried about is, and you've already seen this happening a little bit with, you know, the movement from cubicles to open workspace. And I've certainly had this with a previous job where office spaces that no, were no longer required or were made not to be required anymore because of this movement from to open workspaces were just uh, no longer under sort of the operation of the employer. It was no longer something that they had to pay for just because they gave it back to the landlord, whoever it was. Uh, and I think it's important here that when we design a new mode of operation when it either is whether it's work from home or flexible work schedule we need to be cognizant of the fact that this shouldn't be completely a cost imperative it shouldn't be that oh well we've suddenly realized that uh, we can work from home and we just have to tweak a little a few things here and there with technology and resources and all of a sudden everyone will be able to work from home and we can save costs on real estate and a whole bunch of other stuff i think we also need to realize that we humans work under different conditions and different capacities and some of us are people people and some of us you know can work in more isolated circumstances i've certainly talked to a few different people in my office who much prefer coming into work. They live alone or they, they like having that engagement with other people to an extent where it's it's emotionally a good practice for them to come to work and engage with other people and avoid that kind of isolation. And having said that, I think it's important for employers to recognize that 
there needs to be this kind of option to allow that level of flexibility where it's not just about working from home but coming in as well and that also applies not just to people who are working alone but also families i've talked to mothers who said well i need a break from working at home or the kids i, I like to come in to work and you know get my own space and the same thing goes for fathers and other individuals you know uh, who are who are living in in houses where they're cohabiting with other individuals as well and then i think the last thing that i want to note is if we are moving towards a more flexible working situation i think on the most basic level before we talk about security issues and, and a whole bunch of other things i think we need to create a system where employers are still paying attention to the needs of workers even on a resource level just because you're working from home doesn't mean you can excuse the fact that they're not within an environment controlled by the employer and so you don't have to give them proper desks or, or chairs or ergonomic equipment the responsibility doesn't just leave you just because they don't work in your environment and i think employers need to be aware of the fact and uh, pay attention to that and produce the adequate resources yeah i think that's an excellent point and i love Atul, that you brought in this point about uh, getting rid of uh, cubicles in favor of hot desking i have never heard anyone who wasn't either uh, an mba st student or a senior executive with their own office anyway say a nice thing about hot desking and open plan offices they're terrible full stop and i really hope that we don't generalize uh, moving en masse to work from home off of a few good experiences from people who can afford really nice spaces and good home offices going forward so i think we should be careful with that and no matter how much uh, companies may be saving in rent by not having an office i think you really do lose a sense of community uh, by not having one might work for some organizations not for others the other really good point which people have uh, started hitting at is the cybersecurity side of the idea that some large institutions are holding meetings on zoom for work-related things is frankly terrifying to me given how easy it is to manipulate that and get information out of it. The idea that there are people working for government agencies reportedly doing stuff off their personal phones for work is another pretty egregious flaw in this whole system. And I'm not sure that's something that you can fix so easily. I think it makes far more sense for people in most cases to still be going into work and working from a centralized location at least some of the time. Maybe when we come out of this, you can have room for people to work from home maybe once or twice a week if they need to maybe even three times if it makes sense. But I think it still does really add a lot for there to be a centralized workplace that you can go into, even if only twice or three times a week, both for community, for security, and for a sense of purpose and a change of scenery. Alex, I gotta say, I am absolutely on the same wavelength as you when it comes to my absolute hatred for the open workspace concept. On a totally different note, I think I was reading an article a few weeks ago based on a Stanford University study, and they talked about not just the ability to work from home or on a flexible system or based but they talked about the quality of work that is produced as well. And I think what the study they were focusing on, what it showed was that having a situation where, and again, it depends a lot on the type of work you do, but for a lot of team-based working, it's not just the technologies that you, you that you integrate, whether it's, you know, white uh, virtual whiteboards or whatever it is, but it's also the fact that they found that there was a fall in the quality of team-based work that was being produced by a whole bunch of different jobs and positions. And that's largely because when it comes to team-based work and producing projects, there are certain cues, whether they're emotional, certain cues, whether it comes to creativity and brainstorming, that just cannot replace the in-the-moment spur where you come up with an idea and you have to go talk to people and you can get people into a room and have them talking on a, on a whiteboard and sort of sharing ideas. And they also linked it in terms of 
uh, the quality of patents and the number of patents that were filed by different universities uh, were occurring. And they found that there was a huge fall in areas where work from home was instituted, along with the quality of work that was produced in certain, some employment places. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'd like to, I've also been thinking a lot about productivity levels as well. But in general, I think productivity levels have been falling since like the 90s, I seem to remember. So I don't know if that's the best thing to look at either. I think the issue goes to like our ideas around work are especially in certain contexts are just very messed up, right? Like I've worked in situations where, for example, my manager had like three kids and they were all below the age of about nine, which is already just difficult on its own. But we worked for someone who would say, yes, if you need to take an afternoon off or leave early. And she lived in like Oakville, which is still really far from Toronto. It's over an hour drive, I believe. She would say she could do that, but wouldn't really, other than saying it, there were no other cues that made my manager feel like she could actually do that. So she didn't do it. And it was a, it was a really big struggle for her. And she didn't want to work under this person anymore because it just wasn't the work and her life were not mixing well together at that point. And I find that a lot of the people that work for the organization that I'm at have left companies specifically because of that reason. And we're excited to work at our organization because they they are able to work from home and have flexibility that they didn't have before, but that they needed. So I think it's really important that, and what you were saying is completely correct. This system doesn't work for every organization or for every individual. I'm a hugely social person. You all know this. I love to talk to people. That's probably been my biggest issue working from home is missing out on that social component. So we started working in co-working spaces so that I could, and our company has like paid for us to work in co-working spaces so that we can sort of have these like social connections. So I think a lot of it comes down to the organization, not just leaving people on their own to suffer and but them kind of reaching out to people and saying, okay, what do you need for you to be more productive or to feel comfortable? And if that means having an office that you can still come to, like you were saying, like three days a week or work from home three days a week, I think the issue here is flexibility for people and finding a way to make work work for people instead of us feeling like we're slaving away and having to cut out on our lives because we need to you know, commute for three hours to get to this company that at the end of the day doesn't really care about us anyways because we're just another employee. So I think this time is like really interesting for companies to work with their employees to figure out what this new, you know, system of working may look like. And this gets to the point that I really want to talk about, which is the employee monitoring <laughs> that's going on. And I would love to hear some of your ideas about about that. I know one of the companies that's been doing really well recently is called Hubstaff. And basically what they have is a software that your employer puts on your computer or on your, your work computer or your work phone. And it basically tracks like everything you're doing while you're quote unquote supposed to be working. And that can mean anything from looking at, you know, what websites you're going to, to literally taking screenshots using your webcam of what you're doing throughout the day. And this is, I think they've said like they've increased sales by a ton since March. So to me, we don't have this at my organization and we don't need it. Like we're productive. We all get our work done. If they started doing this, I'm sure tons of people would have an issue with it. So I'm really curious curious as to what some of you might think about this, if you think maybe your organization should do it, or if you think it is a good thing to be doing for two employees or what? It's an interesting space right now, but I'd like to take a step back in saying that, yes, technology is going to snitch on us, but 
back in the day, coworkers were just as much as snitches. <laughs> Case in point, my mom, uh, <laughs> she used to go to the office as early as like, I think 6.30. So she'd start her workday at 6.30 and leave the office early at 3 p.m. so that she could pick me up from daycare as a kid. And then she'd been doing that for like three to six months until randomly at some point, her boss approached her and basically said like, you can't do this anymore. And she was like, why? And the only rationale for that was someone in the office saw her leaving at 3 p.m. and spoke and said, she's not doing her full work. So like, regardless of whether or not we're using technology or something, office dynamics always kind of play out. But I think what's more problematic with the technology point is that there's no way to kind of turn that off. Like case in point, you said, Victoria, the webcam usage is extremely intrusive. I know one particular company, Cognizant, had used it for the Facebook moderators. Essentially, these individuals had to sit at their desk and then the webcam would track their eyes to make sure that they were actually concentrating on the content that they were supposedly moderating, which just screams of so many issues with that. I don't understand how something like that doesn't violate some labor law out there. I mean, it, it just has to. That's like that sort of thing should not be allowed in any world. On the one hand, I mean, yes, when you're at work, you're supposed to be doing your job employer is paying you to do a certain job, you shouldn't be slacking and spending a whole day reading the news or doing whatever else. On the other hand, everyone needs to take a break occasionally. You shouldn't have this sort of, I suppose, white collar equivalent of the way Amazon treats its people in workhouses, which is different, obviously, because of the physical nature of the labor involved. But still, I think it's really demoralizing for, for employees and really would not work uh, in favor of the image or the work environment or the productivity that companies would be getting out of their people to have those sorts of measures in place. Adding to Alex's point, I think there is a lot of labor concerns. We may need to at least begin considering exactly what does that mean, updating some of our labor laws. But I, I would also think that there is a serious need to at least improve on the training of managers and senior management with regards to understanding what working from home means as well. It doesn't mean loafing, but it means actually having a kind of flexibility to manage to get the work done, understanding what does trust mean, but then also ensuring that there are avenues for people to access just in case they are not uh, feeling, I think, as welcomed as well. I don't think you should be monitoring your employees. You should be able to trust them to be able to do the work that they're doing. Of course, snitching, you will be snitching. But generally, I think there is also a mental health uh, aspect to it as well from working from home. And then what additional supports are available for employees as well, right? As in we're always focused on work and productivity and numbers, delivering on numbers. But what does it mean? How are we supporting people as you move shift towards this particular mode of working? Yeah, I definitely agree with the points that have been brought up so far. And I think something that's missing in our conversation is the gender dynamics of working from home. Already, women are being underpaid and undervalued for the labor that they're both doing outside of the home and inside of the home. And now that many people have had to go remote, they've taken on additional like burden of labor, for example. So not only do people now not have access to childcare, which was maybe helping manage some of that, and now they're doing the childcare housework and uh, doing the work that they would do in their quote unquote professional environment or workplace. And that is not necessarily being shared equitably across the board within households. And then there's also single parent households, for example, there's 
a whole host of other issues that are very gendered in nature. And so I think we have to address that at a more like systemic level moving forward if we are actually going to see working from home being a viable option again for people. Yeah, I think there were some really great points that were made about our conversations, both with the accessibility of working remote from home and some of the things that we need to um, consider moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I'm curious about, and maybe we can add this into our c- concluding remarks, is in an ideal world, post-COVID-19, and barring any pandemic or reason that we'd be in a crisis, where would you like to be working remotely from, knowing that you don't have any restrictions in place and could you do your work from anywhere in the world? Uh, I would say if, if there was a, any place that I could start working <laughs> from home from, it would be a cabin in the woods or some, I don't know, something more nature than the city. If I had the chance to work from home, I guess I would take more time trying to work from a place with a better view. Yeah, I think for myself, I would uh, agree. I do really enjoy nature and being near um, a body of water would be particularly enticing for myself. So being near the ocean would be great or a lake. I know that we have Lake Ontario, but maybe even just a different context or setting. And because it would be flexible, I think travel would be a part of my life for sure. And meeting people from like various contexts and learning from them, because I think those types of connections are really meaningful. And sometimes we don't get to foster them as well as we would like to because of being restricted based on your work location, the way that we're operating right now. And what about you, Eddie? Where would you like to work? Where would I? I think somewhere where there's lots of sun. Um, somewhere where there's lots of sun, no winter. So maybe Miami, maybe LA. But I think where there's a, enough space for me to go running in the morning, I have that kind of terrain, accessibility to groceries, whatnot, but not so stuck in an office environment. I mean, I think I would want to have a really nice home office just in my, um, in my place as it is with tons of bookcases. And that would be wonderful for me. And I would probably only do it once a week, ideally. But uh, I said you would only work once a week or work from home once a week? From home. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely love to have a bookcase. Right now, my books are kind of stacked on top of each other, like in various parts of my room. But having them in like a more accessible format would be the ideal, I guess, in the future. But I think these are all nice to have, right? So as we're looking at what working from home will look like or working remotely will look like in the future, whether that's working remotely from your home or some of the co-sharing spaces that Victoria had mentioned earlier, we really need to focus on making this accessible, equitable, and actually meaningful for people to be doing this type of work. And the way that they're doing it is really important. So maybe we'll wrap up this conversation. So thank you for joining us.